Time Events. I'm Debbie Taylor Williams. You want to know, I want to know, how are things going to end? With the Russian invasion of Ukraine, mention of nuclear war, other nations warring due to a terrorist insurgency, political unrest, civil war, and drug wars, it's normal for us to wonder. We wonder also how things are going to end for our loved ones who don't know Jesus as Savior. Jesus' disciples were curious. He had told them that the temple built with massive stones was going to be destroyed. Rather than questioning how he knew, they got right to the point and asked, what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? Jesus told the disciples in Matthew 24, 4 through 8, that birth pangs of the end of the age would be characterized by false Christ, wars, famines, and earthquakes, which are not unique to our generation, but are a far cry from the perfect creation of Genesis 1. But in Matthew 24, 9, there is a noticeable shift from, but all these things are merely the beginnings of birth pangs, to when he said then. In other words, after these beginning birth pangs, they will deliver you to tribulation and will kill you and you will be hated by all nations because of my name. In other words, there will be a global increase in anti-Semitism before the end, before Christ's return. Verse 10 says, and at that time, many will fall away and they will betray one another and hate one another. Verse 11, and many false prophets will rise up and mislead many people. Verse 12, because lawlessness has increased most people's love will become cold. Do you see the increase in intensity? Would you say most people's love has become cold? Perhaps not, but with the rapture, it's easy to see how most people's love will become cold. Verse 13 says, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. Verse 14, this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all the nations and then the end will come. Matthew 24, 15 is another significant point in Jesus' answer regarding the sign of the end and his second coming. Instead of saying, you will be hearing all, he now says, when you see, you see it with your eyes. What will people see? He tells them in Matthew 24, as I mentioned. Let's look at that. When you see, the abomination of desolation, which was spoken of through Daniel the prophet, standing in the holy place, then those who are in Judea must flee to the mountains. He continues in verse 21, for then there will be a great tribulation such as not occurred since the beginning of the world until now, nor ever will be. Let's look at Daniel's prophecy that Jesus says is a sign of the end times and of his return. Daniel 9, 24, 27, known in eschatology as Daniel 70 weeks, states this. In Daniel 9, 24, 70 weeks have been decreed for your people and your holy city to finish the transgression, to make an end of sin, to make atonement for iniquity, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal up vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy place. Verse 25, 
So you are to know and discern that from the issuing of a decree to restore and rebuild Jerusalem until Messiah the Prince, there will be seven weeks and 62 weeks. It will be built again with plaza and moat, even in times of distress. Verse 26, then after the 62 weeks, the Messiah will be cut off and have nothing. And the people of the Prince who is to come will destroy the city and the sanctuary. And its end will come with a flood. Even to the end, there will be war. Desolations are determined. Verse 27. And he will make a firm covenant with the many for one week. But in the middle of the week, he will put a stop to sacrifice and grain offering. And on the wing of abominations will come one who makes desolate. Even until a complete destruction, one that is decreed is poured out on the one who makes desolate. Many times in prophecy, there will be a double fulfillment. And so let's look at these passages. Daniel 9.24 gives this sixfold purpose in, in what was prophesied. God's intention in Messiah's coming was to finish the transgression, to make the end to sin, to make atonement for iniquity, to bring in this everlasting righteousness, to seal up vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy place as we have looked at. Daniel 9.25 begins specifying the division of the 70 years. He says from the issuing of a decree to restore and reveal Jerusalem, until Messiah, the Prince, there will be seven weeks and 62 weeks, 69 weeks total. Bible scholars understand the use of week in this prophecy to stand for years. Therefore, seven weeks, 49 years, during which Jerusalem was rebuilt, plus 62 weeks, 434 years, equals the 69 weeks or 483 years from the time of the degree to rebuild Jerusalem to Jesus being acclaimed Messiah and then crucified. This prophecy was fulfilled. Nehemiah 2, 1 through 8 records that King Artaxerxes of Persia issued just such a degree in the 20th year of his reign, 445 BC, in the month of Nisan, which is our March. Counting forward 69 weeks and adjusting for the 360-day lunar year used by Jews, Daniel's prophecy was fulfilled when Jesus entered Jerusalem on a donkey and was acclaimed Messiah the Prince in 32 AD, then was cut off, crucified. Daniel 9.26 also prophesies the people of the ruler who will come will destroy the city and the sanctuary. This was fulfilled when the Romans destroyed Jerusalem in AD 70. And so we see these fulfillments of prophecy. The final week in Daniel's prophecy concerns the ruler who will come, a reference to the Antichrist. At Jesus' first coming, the first three of Daniel's prophecies were fulfilled as we stated, him finishing the transgression, making an end to sin, and making atonement for iniquity. Still to be fulfilled are these final three, which will occur at his second coming, to bring in the everlasting righteousness, to seal up vision and prophecy so it will all be fulfilled, to anoint the most holy place, 
by his very presence. Now that we've seen the accuracy of Daniel's first 69 weeks, let's do look at Daniel 9.27, the 70th week, and to which Jesus referred as the sign of the end and of his coming. Daniel 9.27 states, And he will make a firm covenant with the many for one week, but in the middle of the week, he will put a stop to sacrifice and grain offering, and on the wing of abominations will come one who makes desolate, even until a complete destruction, one that is decreed, is poured out on the one who makes desolate. Revelation 6-2 reveals the arrival of Antichrist. I looked, and behold, a white horse, and he who sat on it had a bow, and a crown was given to him. And he went out conquering and to conquer. This person on a white horse with a crown is not Jesus. He is Antichrist, posing as one, able to bring world peace. But in the middle of the week, remember a prophetic week is seven years, so the middle of the week is three and a half years. He will put a stop to sacrifice and grain offering. And on the wing of abominations will come one who makes desolate. This is what Jesus said would be the sign of the end of the age and of his second coming. When the abomination of desolation enters the rebuilt temple in Jerusalem. What does abomination of desolation mean and where else is it used in the Bible? Abomination of desolation is used two times by Daniel. Daniel 11:31 states, Forces from him will arise, desecrate the sanctuary fortress, and do away with regular sacrifice, and they will set up the abomination of desolation. Daniel 12:11 states, From the time that the regular sacrifice is abolished and the abomination of desolation is set up, there will be 1,290 days. Abomination in the Hebrew means disgusting, filthy, idolatrous, detestable. Desolation means horror, causer. So this is a detestable, idolatrous person who causes horror. And indeed, Antichrist does. Revelation 13 records that when Antichrist breaks his peace covenant with Israel, three and a half years after making it, he enters the temple in Jerusalem and demands he be worshiped. Listen to the words in Revelation 13 verses five through seven. There was given to him a mouth speaking arrogant words and blasphemies and authority to act for 42 months was given to him. And he opened his mouth in blasphemies against God to blaspheme his name and his tabernacle. That is those who dwell in heaven. It was also given to him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. And authority over every tribe and people and tongue and nation was given to him. Revelation 13, 16 through 18 states, and he causes all the small and the great and the rich and the poor and the free men and the slaves to be given a mark on their right hand or on their forehead, and no one will be able to buy or to sell except the one who has the mark, either the name of the beast or the number of his name. 
Here is wisdom, the scripture tells us. Let him who has understanding calculate the number of the beast, for the number is that of a man, and his number is 666. 666. This is a Bible passage from which you have heard of the Antichrist and 666. During the last week, the seven-year period of Daniel's prophecy, God pours out his wrath on sinful mankind who's rejected his goodness and holiness in Jesus Christ. Seven sealed judgments are opened that include cold war, open war, famine, death, martyrdom, and physical disturbances. Seven trumpet judgments during which earth is smitten, the sea is smitten, the waters are smitten, the heavens are smitten, men are smitten, men are killed. Seven bold judgments include painful sores, the seas and the rivers even more destroyed and smitten, the sun turns to scorching heat then there is darkness. The Euphrates River is dried up. There is widespread destruction, earthquakes, hailstones weighing about 100 pounds each, things like we have never seen. Some people come to faith during this time. Revelation 9.21 records others do not. It says, and they did not repent of their murders, nor of their sorceries, nor of their immorality. During this time of the outpouring of God's judgment, he seals 144,000 Jews who witness, as well as two witnesses who prophesy for three and a half years and demonstrate miraculous powers, even coming to life three and a half days after being murdered for their prophecy. When Christ returns in power at the Battle of Armageddon, recorded in Revelation 19, 11 through 19, we believers who have been raptured will return to earth with him the scripture says, and I saw heaven opened and behold a white horse and he who sat on it is faithful and true. And in righteousness, he judges and wages war. His eyes are a flame of fire and on his head are many diadems. And he has a name written on him, which no one knows except himself. Verse 13 says, he is clothed with a robe dipped in blood and his name is called the word of God. Verse 14, and the armies which are in heaven clothed in fine linen, white and clean, were following him on white horses. That's us. Yes, Jude 14, 1 Thessalonians 3, 13, and Zechariah 14, 5 identify us as returning with Jesus, as I've mentioned. After Jesus throws the false prophet and the beast alive into the lake of fire, and bind Satan for a thousand years, Jesus will usher in his millennial 1,000 year reign on earth. Jesus will fulfill Daniel's prophecy and bring in everlasting righteousness, seal up vision and prophecy, and anoint the most holy place. At the end of the 1,000 years, Satan is released for a short time. There is a brief battle against Christ when Satan once again deceives people and nations. Who can Satan deceive since Christ has reigned for a thousand years? Tribulation saints 
who go into the millennial 1,000 year kingdom and reign of Christ will not have transformed bodies. They will have children also. Some who do not open their hearts to Jesus, but instead turn from Jesus and believe Satan's lies when he is released. That is the battle of Gog and Magog between Satan and Jesus, which I referred to. It exposes the hearts of people for a final time. The great white throne judgment recorded in Revelation 2011 occurs next. Unbelievers are brought into God's presence to give an account of their lives before being sent to the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast, false prophet, and Satan are. Revelation 21:22 records Jesus ushering in a new heaven and a new earth and a new Jerusalem. The glory and perfection lost when sin entered the Garden of Eden is restored. We will have access to the river of life. We will have access to the tree of life. Revelation 22, 3 states, there will no longer be any curse and the throne of God and the lamb will be in it and his bond servants will serve him. They will see, we will see his face and his name will be on our foreheads. Do you question if all of this is true? If so, be assured it is. In fact, God knew we might question the reality of such amazing prophecies. So he said in Revelation 22, 6, these words are faithful and true. The God of the spirits of the prophets sent his angel to show to his bondservants the things which must soon take place. In Revelation 22, 7, Jesus says, And behold, I am coming quickly. Blessed is he who heeds the words of the prophecy of this book. The disciples asked Jesus what would be the sign of the end of the age and his coming as king. He answered, three and a half years after Antichrist enters the temple and demands to be worshiped, then that will be the sign of his close return. There is nothing on the biblical timeline that must be fulfilled before the rapture of believers. Then the events in Revelation 4 through 22 will quickly begin unfolding. Are you ready. What can you do? You and I can follow the advice Jesus gives following the warning about his return. Matthew 24, 4 says, be faithful and sensible doing what Christ has called you to do. Matthew 24, 42 says, be on the alert for you do not know which day your Lord is coming. And Matthew 24, 44, be ready for the Son of Man is coming in an hour. You do not think he will. What can you do if you are not a Christian? Realize that God's patience has a limit. Your destiny is sealed when you take your last breath. If you are alive after believers are raptured, then you will go through the wrath of God and the wrath of the devil. It will be a horrendous time. You can read in Revelation what Jesus warns us will take place. Rather than experience that, Jesus invites you to himself. He invites you to allow him 
to give you the gift of salvation that he was able to do by dying in your place on the cross. It is a gift to you. He took your stripes. He took your pain. He took your suffering. He took your judgment on himself. Repent of your sins to Jesus. Confess him as Lord and Savior. Be saved. Heavenly Father, how we do thank you and praise you for the gift of your presence, for the gift of your word, for the gift of salvation, for the glory that is before us that you invite us to enter into. Father, please, once again, convict deeply the one who does not know you, the one who has rejected you, the one who has turned from you. Father, use those of us, those of us who know you, to be your light in our generation. For Lord, we do not know the day, the moment, the hour when you will gather us to yourself in the air or bring us to yourself through death. So use us, put in us an urgency to share you. We love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you, friends.